We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. And we're back, everybody. It is August 17th, 2020, Monday morning. We hope you're happy to have us with you here on the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am your host today. I am not Andy Herman, who is normally here on our Mondays. I'm not Perry Goldstein. I'm not Ben Fennell. I'm not really anybody that you're used to hearing on your Monday morning, so I apologize if I am disappointing you. But I am your host today. I am Jacob Westendorf, and you might know me from Thursday's shows with Maggie Loney and Nick Schmitz. I almost said Perry Goldstein. Those two just kind of blow <laughs> off the tongue together that way. But I am Jacob Westendorf, and I am joined by Jimmy Christensen, fresh off a trip to Georgia. Jimmy, were you in Atlanta, or where did you go? Uh, we were right outside Atlanta. My wife has some family down there, so we went and uh, enjoyed the breweries and things like that. So just right outside in a city called Lawrenceville. Okay, SEC country. <clears throat> so getting ready for college football as they're set to announce their SEC conference schedule here tonight uh, around 7 o'clock, I think, on the SEC network. So that'll be interesting. The dynamics of college football in general yeah. is just kind of interesting at the moment. But that is not what we are here to talk about today. We are breaking down position groups, and today we have the pleasure of talking about maybe the weakest position on the team, and that is the Packers' defensive line. Uh, the only thing really saving it, in my opinion, and you guys will learn that as we go along from a complete travesty, is Kenny Clark. And Jimmy, real quick, obviously Kenny Clark, that news broke over the weekend. It has been discussed, but I just want to get real quick thoughts on 
Kenny Clark getting an extension, four years, $70 million, $25 million signing bonus. Uh, what are your thoughts on him getting the deal done? Yeah, it could not have come at a better time for me because I was uh, starting my 12-hour drive back from Wisconsin to uh, or from Georgia to Wisconsin. So I got that news and my mood just changed already, and it made the trip much more enjoyable knowing that we have Kenny Clark again, or for at least another four years. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I don't know. I just I knew I figured it was going to happen. I was really confident we were going to get him signed before the season started, but it's just is nice to have kind of a weight off your shoulder. Like, okay, we have probably the most important player um, that was up for free agency. We have him under contract now. Now let's move on to the next one because we still have a few others that we want to get signed. But I was just, I was just relieved. What about you? I felt really good about it. I mean, obviously I've been very vocal because people are saying, wondering why the, you know, the Packers are, what they're going to do with this shrinking, potentially shrinking salary cap and how all of that's going to play out. Brian Gutekunst told you, he said the priorities haven't changed, and he said a million different ways that Kenny Clark is going to be a Packer for the foreseeable future. It was just a matter of time. Clark did say that the COVID-19 pandemic did slow some things down, but it was always a matter of when, not if, with him specifically. Uh, Clark, I believe, is a one. Bakhtiari is one A. But you did mention the Packers have some free agents also on their list that they want to get signed, and that includes, obviously, David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley is a pending free agent. Kevin King is a pending free agent. And Aaron Jones is a pending free agent. There are some other guys like Jamal Williams and some other players that uh, are going to be up for contracts as well. But really, those players that I just mentioned are the ones that are priority free agents, if you will, are likely to be priority free agents. So, Jimmy, this is a question I've been asking really everybody since this extension broke. And that kind of is, who's next? And who do you think? Not who, Because I believe I'm right in saying if we were to say, if we were in Brian Gutekunst's chair, the next player we would extend is David Bakhtiari. I, I think that's pretty fair in saying that. My question is, who do you think the next player is that will be extended ultimately when – and nobody is a uh, suffice answer here as well. Uh, so kind of going over, like, process of elimination for who's next. So, like, starting with Kevin King, he only he's only had one healthy season. Last year he did really well, had five interceptions, led the team. But I still think they want to see another year out of him to see how much money they want to give him. So – or even if they want to. So I'm crossing him out. I think he's the next offseason signing if he does well this year. Uh, then we go to Corey Lindsley, and he even mentioned um, Hanson behind him has been impressive. He's a really intelligent guy. They like what they see out of – or they're starting to like – I know it's been one day of practice, but they like what they see out of him. And I unfortunately think um, he's not going to be on the team next year. I think they're going to let him walk, so I'm crossing him out. And then so really for me it's between Jones and Bakhtiari and – you put that that you retweeted that video of uh, Ian Rappaport on it was NFL Network I believe yep. saying the Packers want to Aaron Jones is a priority for them so that's making me lean towards Aaron Jones I think that's what they're gonna do uh, but I could also see it's just so tricky with running backs because with the running back you might want to let them test the market and see like if you're gonna get twelve thirteen million from another team like go get paid because we can't afford that. So I'm leaning toward Aaron Jones, but like you said, everyone's kind of hoping it's Bakhtiari. Yeah, I think that the answer is actually Aaron Jones. And I think that because there's too much smoke for there to not be fire in this situation. And they've talked about it really. In March, everybody focused on the report from Rob Domoski that said they were going to make a run at Austin Hooper. And that makes sense. It's exciting. It was a free agent. 
all that kind of stuff. They did make a run at Austin Hooper. They lost out to Cleveland, which is probably a blessing in disguise at this point. Mm -hmm. The other thing in there was that Aaron Jones and the Packers had mutual interest in a contract extension. And that kind of got glossed over a little bit in the glow, if you will, of free agency. Later, about three months later in June, maybe early July, Aaron Jones had an appearance on NFL Network where he said there is they've been in touch in regards to a new contract. So I think that there is too much smoke for there to not be fire in this situation. And David Bakhtiari's contract is a little bit more complicated because it will be a bigger deal. I I don't know that it's necessarily the smartest way to do things. I know, you know, the the consensus is kind of to never pay a running back. He just drafted AJ Dillon, blah, blah, blah. I'm not the one running the show. Brian Gutekunst is, Russ Ball is. They feel that it's a priority to get Aaron Jones under contract for the foreseeable future. Jimmy, we talked about this shortly after uh, some stuff we were discussing with Jamal Williams because you had said that you kind of believe that the running back duo for years to come is going to be Jamal and A.J. Dillon. Yeah. And I kind of said the same thing to you then. There's too much smoke for there to not be fire, I think, with an Aaron Jones extension. So ultimately, I believe Jones is going to be the next one. I think they will get a franchise tag situation with David Bakhtiari if they need to. But yeah. I do think that they're going to work on that as well. But I think you'll see both of those guys in a uniform in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. We'll figure out, you know, it's Russ Ball's job to figure out the salary cap stuff. I don't pretend to be an expert on that. I personally don't think it's possible to be an expert on that. There are teams that employ yeah. full-time salary cap guys, and nobody I know spends full-time hours on a salary cap and understanding how all that works. So I can understand some basics, but ultimately I think the Packers will figure out a way to get deals done with both of those guys. Corey Lindsley, I think the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Andy Herman wrote an article for Pack Report that said he had a bold prediction that Lindsley could be traded or released at the end of camp, which would be interesting. Uh, they've done stuff like that before with Mike Daniels and Josh Sitton, getting rid of those guys maybe before we thought they were ready to do so. And with Jake Hansen as a possibility, you mentioned him uh, as somebody that Lindsley has said has stood out and done well early. That could be a reason that they do that. I think he's either maybe not this year, but I don't think that the Packers – bring him back. They haven't really valued that center position. Kevin King's an interesting one just because he's a polarizing player. He does have some really good moments and he has some really bad moments. Yeah. And how, if he has another year where he has a lot of interceptions, those sexy numbers lead to big, big paydays. And I don't think the Packers can afford to give him a big payday, especially with the contract for Jair Alexander, who is objectively a better player Yeah. coming up here soon. So that's kind of my thought on who's next. Again, yeah. if it were up to me, it would be David Bakhtiari. But I think that that contract's going to be a little more complicated. But I don't think that the Packers are going to let him walk because yeah. they have the twilight years of Aaron Rodgers and they have the early years of Jordan Love. The easiest way to make sure that those quarterbacks continue to be successful is to keep them on their feet. And you can't really do that. There's not really an heir apparent, if you will, at the left tackle position for the time being. So I Bakhtiari's – so I was gonna say I have a quick question for you based on or like about the Aaron Jones thing. Do you, before we go into defensive line for the episode, but do you think so like next year it's uh Dalvin Cook is up for a contract, there's Todd Gurley, uh Leonard Fournette, there's Philip Lindsley, and these other kind or Joe Mixon's one. Do you think it would be beneficial for the Packers to wait till the next offseason, let Aaron Jones kind or even see what those running backs kind of get? and then try to sign Aaron Jones then too? Because I don't see those guys getting big contracts either. So just showing them, like, look, that's just the running back market right now. See, I think Dalvin Cook will get a contract. He's 
one of their most important players. The yeah. Vikings aren't exactly a well-run organization. They gave Kirk Cousins a fully guaranteed contract. So that's, that's a very good point. How they're doing. Um, I've heard that before, that the saturation at that position could lead to maybe him getting a, a worse contract. The general rule of thumb is the longer you wait, the more expensive they get. Now, running backs are a little different. We've seen even – Derrick Henry didn't even really get – like in previous years, you know, 10 years ago, if Derrick Henry is the NFL rushing champion and carries that team essentially to the AFC championship game, I think that that guy gets a, a huge deal. You know, four years, $100 million, you know, something like that. Whereas now his numbers really weren't that high. We'll just kind of see what the what the situation plays out on that. But I think that the Packers are smart. They're not going to give Aaron Jones Derrick Henry money or Christian McCaffrey money. And with all due respect to Aaron Jones, he's not that same level of player. Can you lean on Aaron Jones for an entire season as your number one feature back in the running game and in McCaffrey's case, the running game and the passing game? That I'm not so sure about. He's a really good player. And I think that in general, if the idea is to keep really good players and the Packers are going to do well, it just has to make sense from a contract standpoint. I think ultimately it will. Uh, and you'll have a, a running back tandem of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon for the foreseeable future. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, we'll see what happens with Friend of Lombardi's Bar, a podcast run by uh, Jimmy and Dan Kotnick and Todd Varney, who's not a member of the Packaday podcast, but uh, those two guys specifically. Friend of that show, Jamal Williams, we'll see what happens with him. But I think Jones is the next one to get done. So that's that's an interesting thing to think about because you're right, the running back free agent market really is a little robust, and that could lead to some smaller deals for some other guys, and maybe the value standpoint gets a little bit better. But we'll see how that goes. We are here today, however, to talk about the defensive line. And we already did talk about Kenny Clark, and Kenny Clark's awesome. Peter Bukowski said that he was the second best defensive lineman in the NFL, second most disruptive defensive lineman in the NFL behind only Aaron Donald. Uh, sounds like high praise, but there are certainly numbers to back that up. It sounds like it's it's a true thing. So that's awesome. It's a good thing the Packers have a guy like that on their side. After that, yeah. Uh, well, I think Jimmy's smile that you guys can't see right now kind of puts it together pretty well. But the Packers, oh. there's just not a lot of talent there. I think the second most talented player on the defensive line is Kingsley Kiki, and he didn't play a lot of snaps last season as a raw fifth-round pick coming out of Texas A&M. Dean Lowry didn't have a great season becoming transitioning to a full-time starter. Tyler Lancaster is just a role player. They've brought in guys like Trayvon Hester. Montrevious Adams is still here. And Montrevious Adams is like that guy that we keep waiting to make an impact. And yeah. it seems like every year we're talking about, oh, man, he's having a great camp. He's having an awesome camp, and he's ready. And last year he was actually a starter coming out of camp in the team's base defense, and then he just slowly disappeared out of the defensive line rotation, essentially didn't do a whole hell of a lot. There's a there's a really good chance that he becomes somebody that the Packers cut. And – I just, Jimmy, what's, before, we'll kind of break it down a little bit more in depth, but what's your thoughts on this group as a whole? I said earlier this week that I thought, other than Aaron Rodgers, going from him to Tim Boyle or Jordan Love, even even though Jordan Love's a first-round pick and certainly has some talent, the position that has the next most drop-off, if you will, between the starter and the backup, so the guys behind them in this case, Everybody points to wide receiver and says, Devontae Adams, if he goes down, the receiving group is awful. Alan Lazard has at least shown some ability to be a capable player. Equinemius St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling have had some flashes at the at the moments. And the passing game could still function with guys like Jay Sternberger, the running backs, all that stuff. I think 
that the biggest drop-off from one to two is if this defensive line were to lose Kenny Clark and then have to start guys, essentially your base starters and defense as of right now would be probably Lancaster at nose tackle with the other two, the ends being Dean Lowry and Kingsley Kiki. That's just not very awe-inspiring at this point. And I'm somebody who likes Kingsley Kiki, like big fan of his. But what do you think of this group as a whole as it relates to the rest of the roster? It's... The thing with this group is, like, our bright spot right now, like you said, is King, Kingsley Kiki, but he he barely touched the field last year, which isn't a fault of his own. It's just he's a rookie last year, a fifth-round pick coming in. Like, you didn't really expect him to be um, a consistent player for them that at that time. But just looking at it, it's, like, it's kind of disappointments besides Clark and Kiki because he hasn't had a chance to show himself. But like you said, Montrevious Adams is uh, – he had so much hype last year. Petten said he ha- he made the most improvement out of everybody uh, that he saw during camp, uh, during the offseason coming into camp. He was pumped about him. It got me pumped about him. He even started and then just slowly went away. And this this time, LaFleur said in one of his press conferences, it's not a talent thing. It's an execution thing. They can't trust him to make the right, uh, to do his job every time. And not having a preseason is going to hurt him, I think, on this defensive line more than anybody. Because he's shown he can make the right decision in camp, but he can't make the right decision in a game. So I don't know if they're going to give Adams a chance during a game to show like, oh, are you ready to make that leap now? Because he had that chance last year and didn't show it. And that's putting a lot of pressure on second-year player Kingsley Kiki. I, I, I'm nervous for this group. I, and I hate saying there's a missing piece, but there's a, there's a missing piece for this line. Like there has to be, there has to be a signing to – to help out Clark because you, the last thing you want to do to the guy you just signed for 70 million is give him a ridiculous workload. That's going to slowly shorten his career because he's just too, doing too much in the beginning. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I know it's been discussed. I think it's been, everybody always thinks that the team is like one player away and I don't think that they're one player away, but Ross Oglum of Packer report reported that the Packers made a competitive contract offer to snacks Harrison And I think that that opens – Kenny Clark talked about in his uh, Zoom press conference on Saturday that they're going to kind of move him around a little bit and give him a chance to make some splash plays. Well, in order to do that, you also have to have somebody to kind of take his his previous position. Now, they're going to do some stuff, obviously, and we'll talk about this too, with the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary. Mm -hmm. But – you have to have somebody also that's a bigger body to hold up at those points of attack. So maybe that's Dean Lowry. Maybe that's Tyler Lancaster. You know, I – tend to think that it's not. Uh, even Dean Lowry at his best is not a stout run defender, but somebody that can just hold that point, be a one-dimensional player like that, like Snacks, can do so many things to free up Kenny Clark and make him that splash player that the Packers have talked about wanting to make him as well. You mentioned Montrevious Adams. That's a disappointing third-round pick at this point. Mike Pettin basically said last year that he came into his first camp with the team two years ago when Pettin became the defensive coordinator and essentially told him that he thought, not very much of Travis Adams. So I thought yeah. that was kind of funny that Petten was brutally honest like that. Uh, last year, obviously, he did some good things uh, early on, but then disappeared down the stretch, and you mentioned they couldn't trust him. And if they can't trust you, that's kind of a buzzword, if you will, but it's true. If the team can't yeah. trust you to do what, they're, what you're supposed to do and make the right decisions, it's going to be hard to get you on the field. I mean, this group is very, very thin in that regard up front, and you just mentioned it. Kenny Clark, is, it's almost like – you know, for years, 
we gnashed our teeth over Clay Matthews as the Packers, you know, stud pass rusher, but he doesn't have a running mate. And then eventually they got him one, and it was Julius Peppers, but it was both of them were kind of outside of their prime. They were just both really good players instead of great ones. They need to find a running mate for Kenny Clark, somebody that can yeah. be a legitimate force on the inside next to him. And I kind of like the way that Ben Fennell puts it. Yes, pass defense matters more. I think we'd agree with that. But Ben Fennell, Steve Spagnuolo, I've heard it a lot of different ways. You earn the right to play the pass by stopping the run first. And I'm not saying that the Packers have to be a top 10 run defense. Just make it to where it's second and seven instead of second and four or third and six instead of third and two. Yeah. And don't get run over for 200 million yards in the NFC championship game the way they did a year ago. But you want to talk about this group specifically. You really can't do that without talking about the outside linebackers because they did. Jason Wilde had an awesome breakdown for the way the Packers were kind of running their defense. And, This is just the first practice, but I really think you're going to see it quite a bit. And they essentially had it to where it was Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry surrounded by Christian Kirksey and a sub linebacker like Raven Green and then Rashawn Gary and the Smith brothers. And I think you're going to see a lot of those guys playing down. Rashawn Gary did some of that in college. Zadarius Smith did some of it last year. Preston Smith can move and kind of play in that coverage role, but it really does play like a 4-3 under. My question to you, Jimmy, is how confident are you in that group being able to hold up in the run game? Because obviously from a pass rush standpoint, Z and Preston are as good as it gets, and the team, I know that overall the Rashawn Gary pick doesn't get a whole lot of love, but I don't know if I've ever seen a disconnect more on the opinions of the outsiders like you and I versus what the team feels about a draft pick, because the the Packers love Rashawn Gary, Mike Smith, yeah. Mike Patton, Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur. You name those guys. They've all talked about how they just glow about this dude. And last year, obviously, he didn't play a whole hell of a lot, but they anticipate him making a role and creating a role out for himself this year. But how confident are you in those three linebackers, essentially, being able to hold up and kind of mitigate some of the weakness, if you will, along the defensive line? I... I'm I'm confident in those players. I think they're really talented. But the thing I'm worried about it again, it's we don't have a lot of depth there. So we're going to have them on the field so much. So then, if Rashawn Gary has to go out take a break, then we have to bring in one of these guys. So whether it's Lowry or Kiki or Lancaster, and then right away my confidence goes down. Or let's say, God forbid, one of them gets hurt, then again, who's going to step up and take their spot? It's a great that package on the field is great, but I just don't think we have a backup plan to that. And as we saw. In that NFC Championship game, like the only difference really with that is Rashawn Gary's coming onto the field, and this is kind of essentially his rookie year of playing on the field. He did it sometimes last year, but this is the year where he's going to have his first time having like a bigger role on the team. And I just think it's it's I don't want to say foolish on the Packers end, but relying on younger players like this for such a big weakness on your that was so apparent last year. Like they were in the bottom 10 in rushing yards given up, bottom 10 in rushing uh, touchdowns given up, and yards per attempt. It's like I I like the pick. Rashawn Gary's very talented. Kingsley's very or Kiki's very talented, but I just there has to be a little bit of backup. Yeah, I mean, looking at that you know fourth linebacker position, I wonder. You know, we've kind of talked about roster building a lot throughout the course of this offseason, and I wonder how the Packers build that edge group if they're going to use Z and Preston rotating inside with Rashawn Gary. You know, a, a favorite of undrafted free agents is Tipa Galay out of BYU, 
or, or excuse me, Utah State, not BYU. I've got Jamal Williams stuck in my head still from Wednesday night, I guess. But I don't blame you, man. Yeah, uh, Galay is one, and uh, Jonathan Garvin is a famous or a you know a popular draft mm-hmm. pick as a seventh round steal. And Tim Williams is a guy who's got high draft pedigree, and a lot of people really like him. I do wonder if they keep more than four guys because, like you mentioned, this year is so different. Because in the past, you could kind of take that gamble that we can only keep four outside linebackers or, you know, two quarterbacks or something like that. But this year, you're one COVID swab. And we've seen even Matthew Stafford had a false positive. Yeah. So, I mean, you could even be a false positive away from missing a guy for a game or two games or however long it is until, you know, the standard thought process is two weeks. But that doesn't mean that they're going to pass the protocol. It's very similar to a concussion in passing that protocol that we just yeah. don't know when they're fully healthy and going to be cleared to play. So I do, do wonder if they're able to do that. Do you think uh, that, uh, so like the Packers defense, I've, Kingsley was a guy who's played D tackle and DN in college. And this is what I was thinking. Like, do you think there's a world where even someone like Ty Summers who played DN for almost half of the game, 16 year of college, like, do you think that's a possibility that we could see him possibly rotating in to add a little bit more? Man. In a COVID pandemic, I think just about anything is possible, especially with if somebody – I mean, Summers is a guy that has that added versatility that way. I think Curtis Bolton is somebody, if he can get off the pup list, that could be that. He had a really high pass rushing grade as a linebacker, and he's somebody that kind of fits that skill set of the ability to kind of play inside and out. And the Packers' goal in a perfect world, what they want essentially, is as many positionless players as possible, right? Like obviously dudes like Kenny Clark – and the defensive line, the group we're talking about specifically, are going to be position players. Because you can't put them on the edge and expect them to win with quickness. It's just not going to happen. Kenny Clark is a unicorn. You're setting him up to fail if you ask him to bend the edge that way. But outside of that, really, their linebackers are kind of interchangeable inside and outside. Their secondary players, they move them all around the field as well. Their goal and hope is to be very similar to their offense, as positionless as possible in getting that way. So I'll be interested to see what they do Kind of at that line, I I think that you can kind of group together that defensive line and outside linebacker edge group as much as possible because guys like, like we mentioned, Rashawn and Z really do, they dropped inside a lot uh, last year. Preston Smith, not as much, but he's big enough to where he could do that as well. Jonathan Garvin, Tim Williams, I mean, Pettin has shown, Kyler Fackrell played on the inside some last year, and he's not exactly a big-bodied dude. I think they're going to rotate guys like that. I'm excited to see. If you had to ask me who I was excited to see on this defensive line group, I'm from Rockford. I live in the same town as Dean Lowry, or lived in the same town as Dean Lowry. Well, Dean Lowry used to live here. He doesn't anymore. I still, unfortunately, yeah. live in this crap hole. But, <laughs> um, you know, so I'm always excited and rooting for him as somebody that's a positive influence on a community that, frankly, needs it. Yeah. Um, and I think he is a solid player. I think he's gotten a lot of flack because he's he got an extension last year. And anytime you get an extension, even if it's not that big of a deal, you're in the spotlight and you get blamed for everything that goes wrong if you're not a, a fan favorite or a great player like Zadarius Smith or Kenny Clark yeah. or somebody like that. Outside of that, though, Kiki is definitely the player that I'm most excited to see going into year two. We had the chance to talk to him, both of us together, uh, yep. two weeks ago. It's been a little while now. but. Yeah. Just kind of talking about his transition to the NFL and how his body is a little more underneath him. His legs are underneath him now and just his ability to. Kenny Clark mentioned him as a player that could be a breakout. Yep. I'm excited for that very reason to see what that could look like. Because if Kiki is good, you're talking about a front then that takes a 
just a step to a different level because we're not even yeah. considering like you know we've kind of the joke has been I think Brennan Rupp is the guy who says it's Devontae Adams and the funky bunch for the wide receiver group yeah and that's really what it kind of is here for for Kenny Clark on the defensive line is it's Kenny Clark and just a bunch of dudes right now yeah and if Kenny or if Kingsley Kiki can be a legitimate running mate that's a big step in the right direction to where at least the drop off isn't so big. And Mark Eckel of Packer Report seems to think that Dean Lowry will have a bounce back season this year too. So that is like the high end possibility. I don't want to say I've given up on Montrevious Adams because I think that's disrespectful to say you've yeah. given up on somebody, but I yeah. I don't expect much out of him. Yeah. Trayvon Hester, I just don't know a whole heck of a lot about. Yeah, I and seen I, a whole I think Trayvon Hester to me is kind of like a, a Tyler Lancaster. He's just gonna be a guy that comes in, fills in for a little bit, and you can trust him to have a limited amount of snaps and do his job, but he's not going to be anyone that's going to come in and make a crazy impact unless he's blocking a field goal and double doinked it. But God bless him for that. If nothing yeah. else, he's got a, he's got that going for him. So that's good news. Um, you know, Jimmy, overall, I think the biggest thing that is, in, this is the position defensive line and wide receiver are the two positions where the inside feel about the team clearly is different from what the outsiders think. Cause you and I are talking about right now, how worried we are about this position group. Yeah. Brian Gutekunst basically said Matt Schneidman was on game on Wisconsin. He was on our mega show and he literally used the phrasing. Their defensive line was garbage last year outside yeah. of Kenny Clark. He said they were garbage and that is very direct and pointed phrasing. And those are words that are chosen carefully, obviously yeah. because that's not something you say lightly. No. Gutekunst basically said after they get run over in the NFC Championship game, oh, we like the group we have. And he mentions Montrevious Adams and Tyler Lancaster and Kiki and some of the dudes that are already in the the room. I, I'll say this. He better be right because if he's not, this season could end up being yeah. – there are some legitimate studs coming into Green Bay or Green Bay has to play against us. They have to play San Francisco again. We know all about their running game. Derrick Henry is going to face off against them. They'll probably face Dalvin Cook twice. There are some really good running games that they're going to have to figure out how to stop. Do you think that Gutekunst maybe was faithful? I don't know what the right word here is, but does he have too much faith in this group and is it to a fault? I don't even know if it's so much like he has too much faith in him. Like a lot of the stuff that people say to the media too, you kind of just have to take with a grain of salt sometimes. Like we got ran completely over, but at the end, like at the end of the day, you don't really expect the GM to come up and be like, look, our guys suck. We need to, we need to figure something out. That's fair. But at the same time, he did basically say that the linebacker position was going to be overhauled and you needed speed in that position. And they did let Blake walk, didn't even talk to him yeah. and signed Christian Kirksey to a relatively, it wasn't a big deal, but I mean a modest deal. He was pretty open yeah. about the fact that he thought that that was something that needed to be fixed. So, I mean, it, gives you some information. It's not like Ted Thompson where he says a lot to say nothing. Yeah. And maybe that's, he probably just saw the bigger area of need as the linebacker position. It's maybe they fix that a little bit, then the run that'll help the run defense. But I, I've, I've hope I just, I'm trying to convince myself that he knew he knows something we don't, which obviously he does. He's a GM, but uh, I just, I'm so worried about this, this group, man. And I, I'm, and you mentioned it too. Lowry had, I think the new contract that gave higher expectations than he should have had on himself. He's not going to be a guy that comes in and is a Kenny Clark or anyone like that. Like he's he's going to do his job, 
but he also needs that third person on the line that's going to do their job too because they'll balance each other out. And I think because after Dean Lowry, there really wasn't anybody else. Like it was Clark, Lowry did a little bit, and then really nobody. So they need, they need someone to, I don't know, be that number two with Lowry, and I think that's just going to make the world a difference. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a world that exists where, again, if Kiki takes that jump, if Lowry can be the steady player that he had been that got him that contract extension, which is essentially what Gudukun said. I remember very vividly he said, you know, steady Eddie, and that's yeah. what he thinks about him. If he can be that, then that's helpful. Christian Kirksey playing better behind him. Finding that second linebacker, whether that's Raven Green, Ty Summers, Curtis Bolton, um, Kamal Martin, I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting, Oren Burks. Yeah. Finding that second guy back there. I mean, there are ways that this can help. Having a guy like Kenny Clark obviously helps. The hope is to find him a running mate. So that'll probably – go ahead. I have a quick question for you. Do you think we need Kingsley Kiki to step up and be like a good defensive lineman, or do you think we just need him to be another – like he's steady Eddie like you said? Oh, no, I think they need another good player at that position. I think that, you know, there's a lot of places that you see where teams have it, and we just focus more on the Packers because we watch them every single day. But there's a lot of teams that have, like, average replacement-level players at certain positions, and they just – it's not as glorified in our minds. The 49ers have replacement-level players at wide receiver, for example, especially – well, now maybe not as much with, but with Debo Samuel out, I mean it's it's Brandon Ayuk as their number one receiver, and he's a rookie. Yeah. So, I mean they do have a lot of replacement level players, and that's the 49ers. The Chiefs have replacement level. The Chiefs have replacement level players at cornerback. Nobody's going to confuse Brashad Breeland for Jair Alexander. Yeah. But that being said, you, know, you talk about the core of this defense, and we were kind of thinking about that earlier when we talked about Kenny Clark. So with Kenny Clark in the fold now for the next four years, for the next three years now. Assuming no roster cuts and everything like that, Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, and I think Jair Alexander is a safe bet to get a second contract with the team. That doesn't even include players like Kiki, Rashawn Gary, Christian Kirksey, Kevin King taking steps, maybe getting new contracts and that and that stuff as well. The Packers have a chance to have a really good defense. But who was it that I was talking? I think it was Dusty Evely. I was talking to last night. It's almost like, you know, we've always said, we've said it for a million years. It feels like that, oh, the Packers have all the pieces. Now can they put it all together? And it feels like they never really have. So Kingsley Kiki taking a step and being somebody that can just even get it to where Kenny Clark doesn't have to play 90% of snaps or something like that. Yeah. And not have this massive drop. Obviously, there's going to be a drop off from Kenny Clark to the next dude. That's just the nature of the game. And Kenny Clark's a star. So if you put Fletcher Cox on the field instead of Kenny Clark, it's a drop-off. I mean, that's the level of player that he is. But getting somebody like Kiki that can be a legitimate second banana, to use a popular phrase, I think that that is certainly valuable in what the Packers will need here. So that's what I think on that. Um, You got anything else before we sign off here? Uh, I guess my last thing is if you – if let's say the run defense doesn't improve or doesn't take the big jump that we think it needs to – do you think this is Mike Pettin's last year? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think that there's a lot of pressure on Mike Pettin uh, just because of the way last season ended. They gave him two first-round picks. They gave him three high-level free agents. At some point, I, and we kind of said this with Dom Capers too, right? The investment has to meet the production value, and it hasn't. Mm-hmm. So if the investment doesn't meet the production value, then, yeah, I do think Pettin could be on his way out. So, that's something to to keep in mind. Um, 
you know, I, w- I thought he was going to get fired after Matt LaFleur basically said, we're still working through that. So Yeah, so did I. I, I assumed he was gone. Yeah, I did as well. So that'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of eyes on him this year. And if the defensive line fails, that's probably not Mike Patton's fault necessarily, but he yeah. might be the one that gets the ax for it. So we're out of time for today. Be sure to check out our show. It's at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can find Jimmy. Jimmy, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Jimmy underscore C08. And you can find us both here at the Packaday Podcast, both at Packer Report 66, and both at Game On Wisconsin, which is at Game On WI on Twitter. Check us out. We'll be excited to talk to you guys. The season's almost here. It's Monday. Enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon again. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.